Welcome to Rebels Recap. You're Rebels on you? Join Robin Vogt, Scott Inch, and Brian Fontaine as they break down the animated universe of a galaxy far, far away. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Rebels Recap. Another week here with Brian Fontaine and Mr. Scott Inch. This week we are talking about the most anticipated leading up, Star Wars Rebels, Episode 20 in Season 3. That's right, it's Twin Sons. And boy, Brian, I have to admit, this episode really packed a punch. And I think just leading it up and everything, we were ready to go with this one. This was probably one of the most hyped uh, Rebels episodes we've seen. I think last season, none of us talked on a, on a weekly basis for Rebels recap. Twilight of the Apprentice kind of had a similar lead up. And not only was this episode excellent, I think it is going to give us, you know, if this wasn't the, the season finale, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to jump ahead past this episode because there's just so much to talk about. But next week's going to be phenomenal. I, I just think that if this wasn't the the showstopper, then we got some big things coming. But, you know, Scott, this, the three of us all weekend were kind of, I'd say right before midnight Eastern time on Friday, I know that we were talking amongst ourselves, just we're all just really anticipating it. Somehow we avoided spoilers. There were some people that saw advanced versions of this and were, were saying like, uh, Tracy with the, the Lucasfilm publicist there was just like, this is some of the best Star Wars you're gonna see. And just Scott, what do you feel like this added to the the lore of Obi Wan? And also, we have to we have to talk about Maul and give him his due in this episode. It really gives us a wee bit more of a kind of Obi Wan being alone on Tatooine, so it gives us a wee bit more of what that's life from. Um, but it's for this episode, it just it was Maul that really stood out for me. Just going out through Clone Wars and into Rebels and. Like he's just had, he's been betrayed by the Sidious, and then he's with um, Ezra he, and having wanting Ezra to be his apprentice, and then going on to, and he was so swept up in vengeance again. Over this character has had a tragic life. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't like if you go further back, he never really asked to be a Sith. He just wanted to be. You don't know really much, but you get the feeling he didn't want to be a Sith. But he was chosen like his brother and it's just i just feel sorry for the guy i really feel sorry for Maul. robin what do you what do you think about i, I there's a couple different things i want to break down i think we have to talk about ezra i think there's just what scott alluded to there's the whole obi-wan on tatooine and i know that not to spoil anything but i know that you're working on an article that'll that'll drop soon that i've saw, saw an early version of and it's going to be very excellent and then I think we have to talk about, you know, the duel and then obviously Maul. So, Robin, what, what really stuck out to you in this episode? There was just overall with this episode of Twin Sons, and of course, Brian mentioned it earlier, we stayed up early, we wanted to see this thing as soon as it dropped. And watching it, I, I don't know if it was my early morning mind or whatever else, but I was watching it and there was something very different aesthetically about this episode. I think Filoni's true cinematic, there's there's a term now, cinematic magic. There were very different tones that characters brought out. I just, just the way that Ezra moved about in this episode. Um, I know we were kind of teased with the Obi-Wan calling to all Jedi, calling, you know, the warning signal from Obi-Wan in the early teaser, but off everything. It was just very cinematic. 
and throughout this entire episode, Brian and, and Scott, I'll say, it almost felt like a Star Wars film. And I know a lot of people said it was an episode that is one to remember because of the way it was formatted. You know, just a side note to you, you mentioned that the, the, the warning message, what we had seen when Ezra first saw Kanan's holocron, you know, way back in, in season one, which is James Arnold Taylor reprising his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you guys look in the end credit scene, actually, James Arnold Taylor actually gets a voice credit for this episode. I think he re-recorded that, which is awesome that they didn't just try to recycle that. And I think it was a nice bridge, not only visually to see young Obi-Wan, but then also just, I think all of us really just said it. Steven Stanton needs like a, you know, an Emmy for this one. I mean, I, I honestly really thought we were listening to Alec, Sir Alec Guinness in this one. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. And just all seeing all the praise that he's earned on, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, he sent me a note back, you know, just saying, you know, basically thanks for saying thanks. But man, it was, it just well added so much, so much to the character of uh, of obi-wan and it's just i guess it's funny as much as we were all hyped about this one we're all not like reserved talking about this but it's just it's so hard to to really heap any more praise on this episode than it's already really deserved and robin we said it yesterday on our on our live stream at uh, stairway to heaven comics for the the one-year anniversary of the brick city blockade podcast it's as we've moved through our progression of doing these Rebels recaps, we went from very early on in the, the beginning of us, you know, both of us being really nervous about it, feeling like we needed to talk about every little thing that happened in the episode, to now I feel like we are just now talking about, the, you know, the theories and our own hypothesis on kind of what's happened. We tell people, go watch the episode. I mean, I on my third viewing of this, I, I watched it... Uh, uh, you know, right after very early Saturday morning, as soon as it was available, I watched it again after waking up Saturday morning with my son. I actually watched it again this morning. On uh, my third viewing this morning, there were still little things that I was picking up on this one. This is one that you're always going to go back to if you're ever doing like a, a think piece on on Obi-Wan or you want to find out more about him just because there's just so much more that they packed into 22 minutes. And I know Scott, that was one thing I had a concern about this episode, just being 22 minutes. But I don't know. Did you feel like less is more really worked with this episode? I don't know. I just, I didn't really feel it was 22 minutes. I, I felt it was a bit longer. I, I got that longer feel with it. Uh, I just, because I, I, I don't know how to explain it well, but I just, I just felt it was very, it was a longer episode. It, I wish you had made this like a bit longer anyway. I wish you made it like a 45 minute episode. It like took up another episode out earlier this season to make this a two-parter. So I think I would have worked, this would have worked well as a two-parter. But no, at time, even though it was 22 minutes, it did feel a bit longer. I felt like a half hour show or 35 minutes. Robin, the, the let's get let's talk about the duel. I saw some feedback online with some Star Wars fans that are on, on my Twitter feed. And and I think a lot of people felt let down by the lightsaber battle. And I think the three of us were a little concerned on how they were going to essentially retcon Obi-Wan not maybe being the uh, the daftest with his, with his lightsaber on the, on the Death Star. But there's been a bunch of articles, Dave Filoni on Rebels Recon kind of alluded to, it's almost a little bit of that, that Seven Samurai. And I know... Robin George Lucas had a heavy influence on you know Japanese filmmaking and and the the way of the samurai and I just felt like 
instead of Obi-Wan being that that crazy old wizard in, in the desert, that he was the, the wise old samurai that saw Maul's move coming a mile away, basically, and I'm sure you guys caught it. You know, essentially, he tried the same move that ultimately ended Qui-Gon Jinn and, and the Phantom Menace. You know, he went for the double, you know, trying to push his double lightsaber up into his face, and, and Obi-Wan saw it coming, just basically went right down the middle. And I tell you, Robin, you mentioned it on that that first viewing very early on Saturday morning. I had to watch the fight three times. I kept rewinding it. I was like, did I did I miss him actually striking him? And just in the very in the very samurai way, it was over before it. And I know that you're going to be talking about this in your article, Robin. Is just the fact that what Obi Wan has been able to do with his time away versus us just as a casual fan. Well, oh, he was just holed up on, on Tatooine for, for 19 years, you know, just not doing anything. And and I, I think we got a lot more about that. And just the, the fact that, and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but it's just, it, it's it's amazing. It, it's funny, Scott, you want to focus more on, on Maul and I'm looking more at, at Obi-Wan and just having a greater sense of appreciation, not only for what he did, but what he said to Ezra to just, you know, maybe eventually on the Death Star that, you know, he really is making the ultimate sacrifice, just basically buying time with Vader. He's just basically just volleying back and forth with them to give Luke a chance to escape. He has no intention of winning. We just see two years earlier, you know, he basically showed all the skill that he had with 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 the Clone War era. And he was that more word for the wise. I just, ah, guys, I don't know. I got to throw it to one of you. I'm just, I'm just, you guys keep letting, keep letting me talk. I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Save me! I'm throwing you know, a raft to one of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect layup, Kelly. It's the best layup I've I've got all day. I have to admit, you are 100% correct. And my in my new article, touch upon this a little bit. I'm not going to spoil it completely. And I'm, but this has to be one of the most influential, smaller lightsaber lightsaber battles in Star Wars history. Star Wars Rebels is canon. Kind of breaking up, Robin. Yeah, Robin. We'll try coming back to you in a minute, like Scott. What do you, you know? I don't want you to kind of steal Robin's thunder there because it feels like his screen's kind of freezing up a little bit there. But yeah. you know, what did you feel about? And he's just starting to try to make the point of, you know, maybe this is one of the most influential Star Wars lightsaber battles that we've seen in canon with you know with Star Wars Rebels being canon. I mean, what were your thoughts about that? I kind of I I came at it from the angle of you know Obi Wan's side, but I mean you're definitely wanted to focus on on maul i mean what how did you feel like that was well what should i he definitely just wanted to do the same maneuver as he did on qui-gon it was like the spinning and then the two up in the air uh, trying to hit him in the face it was it was the same maul lightsaber battle we've seen before there wasn't really anything different but it was a very very quick battle it wasn't like the kind of battle we've seen in the Clone War era with Obi-Wan and Anakin, it was a very straightforward, simple, three-step lightsaber battle. It was just doom, 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 and that was it. I mean, a lot of it was almost the the preparation of it, uh, just yeah. both kind of giving each other the stare down. And I, I'm so glad that they worked in his, um, you know, essentially, I don't really want to refer to it as like the James Arnold Taylor pose, but I mean, it, it was really something that, you know, they, they took that one scene about before Obi-Wan fought Grievous, was that Utapau? On Revenge of the Sith, and then he worked it in, but then he definitely had more of the lightsaber up ready to 
to you know take Maul's first charge there. But uh, I think we've got Robin back. Robin, hopefully you can finish that excellent <laughs> point you're starting to make on uh, on you know this potentially being one of the most influential lightsaber battles. Sorry about that, folks. I know the beauty of technology is just stimulating in many ways. But no, I mean, the beauty of that lightsaber battle alone, like I was saying before, and Scott, I have to admit, that was a perfect alley-oop right to you right there, was very influential. Just in that small amount of time that it happened, I think we got a lot more about Maul and Obi-Wan. That stare down, that, I always go back to that as one of my favorite experiences of this episode, is that there, there didn't need to be a long battle because they were playing out everything in their head. They were playing out every scenario possible in their head before it happened. And alone in Star Wars, we have not seen that in a very long time. It's a, almost a very old Republic way uh, of going into a samurai-style lightsaber battle. So again, that that's probably one of my favorite experiences in this episode is just that small amount of time that we get to experience Maul and Obi-Wan again on a very different level, on a very more psychological level which is wonderful to see on, on a show like this. And, and I think Sam Witwer did an awesome job just showing the whole range of where Maul is at. You, you, he almost got to that, and I think they mentioned it on, on Rebels Recon with the, you know, he almost went back to the, the crazed Maul with the spider legs, and he, he kind of came to his senses and realized that, you know, Ezra was going to be that that thing that would allow him to try out Obi-Wan. And, and, I, and I think we do have to talk about Ezra. And Robin, you and I talked a little bit offline about, you know, he, he kind of went on his own hero's journey within this episode where he ran through a whole lot of emotions. And even in the middle of it, Maul was, was sensing the weakness that he still has that uh, you know, we have to remember that Ezra is essentially two days younger than Luke Skywalker. And we won't see Luke Skywalker at age 19 for two more years. So essentially, even though we see Luke running in the distance, it, oh, it was not, so great to see and hear. Oh, we didn't, didn't see her. Just hearing Amparu again. And, and I guess apparently they used some original outtakes from A New Hope, which was which was excellent. I love just keeping everything continuity-wise. But we saw him kind of run through all these emotions of, of, of really realizing that maybe it's up to him. And obviously, we find out later, and even Obi-Wan is like, you really shouldn't be here. And I think the thing that I, I have a theory now about Ezra that I think everybody in the casual fan will walk away from this saying, oh, well, this is great. You know, Ezra saw that, you know, Master Kenobi is still around and he gave some good advice to him and stuff. I think the complete opposite. I think this is going to be the thing that sends him completely off to the dark side. And I've been a I've been a huge Ezra fan. There's so much layers. And, and I thought the the use of Obi-Wan using the line of, you know, truth is only really what you make of it. And, you know, he's trying to convince everybody back on their base that, Hey, I, you know, I really think Master Kenobi is still alive and he needs my help. And it, it broke my heart to hear that that quote from Rex saying, nobody more than me would love to see him still around. He goes, Senator Organa confirmed that he was killed. And you get that sometimes good doesn't always look good. And I think it's this 
connection that we're going to start to see to Rogue One, where, you know, we, we see Cassian Andor have to off somebody because he's worried about, you know, there being leaks. And, and sometimes the greater good doesn't always look and feel great. And I just wonder, it, w- it wasn't said that Kenobi's like, don't you tell anybody that I'm here. But I, I just really... I, I think Ezra won't tell anybody, but I just think this is always going to be his burden to bear that he knows this thing now. And, but he also knows that there's people at the top of the Rebel Alliance that are lying to everybody. And he doesn't know why Master Kenobi's there. He leaves before that conversation happens. So he would say, well, why is he there? And he's going to probably be working out through this through season four. And I, and I really don't hope that we have any more Keno- Master Kenobi, you know, Obi-Wan. I think this was his one, our one little viewpoint into seeing him on Tatooine. And they've done a really good job, Scott. And I'm sure you can attest to this with some of the the, the tales out of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's journal in the, the, the Marvel Star Wars comic, where we've seen a couple little things here and there. But again, guys, I'm rambling. Somebody save me. No, no, I, t- I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I don't know if I agree with you about the maybe Ezra going to the dark side. I feel it will have an offset. I think it will make him go to the light side. With having that chat with Obi Wan, I feel it would, it would save him a wee bit because in Rogue One, Bill Garner knows he's alive, but Bill Garner knows the real truth. And I don't know if Ezra will actually discover the real truth. Why? That's my personal opinion. And I, I, I know yeah. you've, you've got your opinion, and I wonder about. Robert's got an opinion on that as well. Well, when it comes to Ezra, I think both of you make a really good point and both bring a very different side to, I think, what many of us think. And that's that, you know, there there are two sides to this. It's he could go to the light side or he could go to the dark side. And I stem it all the way back to we really don't know where Ezra's heading until we find out where Kanan goes. Kanan is the main factor in this. I think there's a lot more that's going to happen to Kanan, whether it's heading towards the end of this season and into the beginning of next season now. Just in theory, just in theory, if Kanan goes, this Obi-Wan meeting is going to mean a lot more for him turning because then Ezra loses somebody really close and that loss is what drives the dark side. On and doesn't and, and continues moving on here, then maybe Ezra doesn't experience this until later in his life. You can't let it influence you. You got to keep fighting it. You got to stand for what your teachings have taught. But at the same time, Brian and Scott, you bring up a great point that this is how the force works, of course, over time as we move here. It's going to be the force's will and whatever their plans are moving forward about where Ezra goes. Yeah, I still think that when we walk away from this series, I think the biggest the biggest takeaway we're going to have is is going to be who is Ezra Bridger. I, I think when we're all done, whether we get four seasons or five seasons or or whatever it is, you know, we can we can take a guess on, on that. But I think I think the thing that you think back to, just like when you think back to the the Clone Wars, and you you really got, I feel like a better sense of who Anakin Skywalker is, and I feel like it helps bridge the gap for most casual fans that don't really believe the fall between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And I think the Clone Wars does an excellent job at filling that in. I really do think that at the end of Star Wars Rebels, it's we'll have the question answered us, who is Ezra Bridger? I feel like he's too significant now at this point to 
not have something happen to him. And and I really do feel like he'll be put on the shelf for a, a future story. But I, uh, it's it's so compelling. I think that for as much as the casual Star Wars Rebels fan complains about Ezra. I think they're going to be quick to, they're going to have to embrace him. And I, it's funny because I saw a lot of that on, on Twitter yesterday, last evening too, where a lot of people will call them those negative Nancy's in the Star Wars community. were just really just like, just give me Kenobi, give me Maul, but don't, don't even put Ezra in there. You're going to ruin it if you have Ezra in there. I'm like, it's, it's his show. It's his story. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, he is like essentially the main character this is this is an ensemble cast but he's essentially the lead character in this so if you don't like him then what are you doing watching star wars rebels that's my that's my mic drop right there (laughs) that was a good mic drop i agree with you like ezra at the start for rebels was a for me was a bit "Mm, i'm not too sure about this guy i thought he was at first, first I thought he was about like Anakin for episode one, but he has grown on me this time and time again, especially in season three. He's definitely made a better impact on me. It was the same with Ahsoka when she came into Clone Wars. Nobody liked her, and now when she came into Rebels, and near the end of Clone Wars as well, everyone started to love her. And it, 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 I'm negative dances in the Star Wars community that don't like these characters. You're right, Brian. They're going to have to accept that they are part of the Star Wars universe whether it's going to be at the end of Rebels and if they appear in movies before. We've got to accept that these are the characters that are going to be around for a very, very long time after long we are gone. Absolutely. Robin, do you, and I'll ask both of you this question. Robin, I'll start with you. Do you, just looking back at, I, I feel like both of you are, are more, I don't really want to say more of a Maul fan than I am because I, I definitely love the character, but I feel like you both know way more about him than than I do. So I, I feel like you both are a little bit more qualified to answer this. Robin, I'll start with you and then we'll get Scott. But are you satisfied with the arc of, of Darth Maul to Maul? Based off of Twin Sons and, and how we finally got this arc coming out of Clone Wars and then into the Rebels series, I look at this arc and I say, you know what? The way that it's concluded here... It, it was a nice move on the part of the story team in Filoni. I couldn't see it being dragged out much longer with him. I think he came to a point where he had this goal that he wanted to accomplish. Kenobi! That was his goal. He wanted to get to that. And for I think if, and I know that a lot of people have been talking about this when it comes to Maul, and I'm going to throw it over to Scott in a second here. But if Maul was going to go out and his story arc was going to end, it was going to be with Kenobi, and it was going to be Kenobi taking him out. And just to have that intimate moment where it's kind of like, I'm going to die at the hands of my enemy. That, that's samurai out of the enemy that's going to take me out if I'm going to go out. I'm not going to go out on my own terms in that way. Yeah, I pretty much agree with Robin on everything about Maul, his arc. I mean, we've got a wee bit more of that story from the new comic that's came out with Maul. And we had Sarah Daphimir, which gave us a bit more of a story and that his relationship there. Um, but yeah, I've Episode one, even though he was only out for maybe 10 minutes in total, um, to, and then we thought that was it. But to episode one, the comics, and Clone Wars, I'm very happy with the art that we've had. I'm very happy. As you said, Robin, it had to be Kenobi. It couldn't be anybody else. I mean, we all, I know I said a few weeks ago, I think it was on Talking Star Wars, that it would be great if it was Ezra because it had that connection as well. But I'm 
are quite happy with it being Kenobi because that's how he started. And he did kill Qui-Gon, uh, Obi-Wan's master. So full circle, shall we say. Qui-Gon Jinn, Duchess Satine. And even at the very end, and I just... I've, I've always been a, a Kenobi fan, regardless of whatever iteration it's been. And the his willingness to be almost like a, a, a pacifist, just to, that he's learned so much about the Force and he is at peace and he's there to protect Luke Skywalker. And he made the offhand comment to Ezra, just, you know, you don't sit around waiting and not anticipate something like maybe your arch uh, nemesis is going to show up at some point. And he really didn't want to fight Maul. And, and I think he was almost resigned to the fact that it it may not have actually come to that. But when, when Maul couldn't move past the, uh, you know, the, just the, the seeking revenge, and even after it was done, and even just the compassion, if you want to call it that, that, that Kenobi had, and he almost, you know, he cradled him. And he didn't have to say anything about he didn't mention luke by name but he didn't have to say that yes there is a chosen one but it was instantly and i think rob and i had mentioned it to you maybe offline is you saw shades of young obi-wan a little bit when as soon as something that he cares so much about he loved anakin skywalker and he has such of that love for for luke skywalker that when he thought he was threatened in any way you know lightsaber ignited and he was ready to go and yeah, that it was just so uh, epic. Is not is an understatement. I just, I just love, love, love this episode, and it was a nice touch. I think the three of us had also, we had theories that we might actually see Luke Skywalker, and we did. And I, I guess if I have one criticism for this episode, is that the seeing Luke running out in the distance. Obviously, I didn't want to see him. I just wanted to, you know, even if it, we just heard Amperu and we didn't see him running, he just looked a little too young. I mean, he would be 16, 17 at this time, and he looked like like Anakin did in The Phantom Menace running across on the Lars homestead there. And yeah, if I'm going to complain about one thing, that's it, all I got. But there's so much other stuff that we talked about with this episode. Robin, you mentioned it. I didn't get a chance to pipe in, but just the the cinematography and the animation of this episode, they made Tatooine just, they showed it to us in a way that we'd never seen before. Literally, some of the best animation that they've ever had in Star Wars was Ezra's A-Wing kind of descending through, you know, the clouds and just that, that top down. It's just, it was top notch i mean just amazing just and then just seeing him walking around and coming through the arches and i ah, love the fact they still had a little bit of chopper humor in there you know where he's even like mm-mm, mm-mm. you know he sees <laughs> and i did what i usually one usually one week every time every week comes around i usually watch it once with the you know the closed captioning on just so i can see the subtitles to make sure i'm not actually mishearing anything but there's actually an audible sigh from Chopper, he and he actually says "sigh" when he's like, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm following you." <laughs> oh man, oh that that is you know you know it's good when you turn on the subtitles and Chopper actually has English language <laughs> like attached to him. That is so good. Oh man, and I think. I think Scott's right, and and you're right as well. To my earlier point, that cinematography, I'm glad you brought up that A-wing shot of the A-wing coming into the atmosphere of Tatooine. 
because we don't get enough of that. I, I feel like we don't get enough of those shots. Rogue One did it beautifully heading into Scarif and also heading to to get Galen Erso and everything. I mean, just those shots of heading into the planetary systems and everything. Just beautifully, beautifully done. Can't agree more. I don't know, Scott. Do you think we uh, you think we covered this in, in total? I think we have. I I will tell you what I did like seeing though. I did like seeing Tusker Raiders. I know we to- totally missed that too. I mean, that was <laughs> that was uh, that was awesome. I mean, just this. Uh, I I still feel like it was definitely less is more with this one. Just I um. And the yeah, music I, well. I don't really, the, Oh yeah, jeez. Totally miss the music. I, I can't wait for the soundtrack to come out for season three. There's so many been so many good tracks, but um, you know, there will be one that I'll probably drop at the end of this outro thing here of this episode that was on starwars.com. But Kevin Kiner just masterclass with this one. I, I, the, the fact that he was able to weave in the undertones of which was originally Obi-Wan's theme, which eventually became the force theme. And it's very faintly playing in the background during the the duel with Maul, and it and it gradually almost gets to a crescendo, just as you you kind of come back and you see him approaching the Lars homestead, and then then it's then it's full blaring, and it and it had a very much of a not like a not like the binary sunset, but very something similar. And again, that just that that ending credit shot was just um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, just to see those twin sons and that the classic view from A New Hope and Revenge of the Sith that we've got to see at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Just brilliant to see that. Yeah, I mean, if if you guys saw my recent tweet there at the end of watching that, I said I tried to hold back tears. I tried. I'm a very emotional guy. And just to see those twin sons and then, of course, the homestead. And then just to see Obi-Wan again with the beard, like like we ended it in Revenge of the Sith. It was like, oh, they're not going to do it. They're not going to, please, please, it's early in the morning. Please don't do this to me. And they, they threw it out there. And um, the towels not only were covered with sweat from the battle, but they were covered with, with man tears from that m- moment. Nerd tears. It was it was very emotional. Uh, but it, it, a very nice touch at the same time. And and like you said, Brian, I think uh, <laughs> this was something else. This this episode's just, this is going to take me a while to edit. This is a long one. and uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's been great talk, and I feel like we could keep going on and on about this one. And I I almost feel like, you know, whether in some time period down down the road, whether it's, you know, six months, 12 months, 24 months from now, I feel like all three of us might revisit this episode again, just as a, as a rewatch, just with more hindsight of, of seeing other more recent events and then being able to come back and, and see maybe some additional nuggets that were in this episode that we may have missed that this just, this is an episode that's going to keep giving back to Star Wars fans and Dave Filoni and everybody involved. I mentioned Steven Stanton just did an awesome job. And this was the, this was the appetizer for zero hour. And uh, we haven't really talked about that at all. I mean, this is going to be our season finale of Rebels Recap. And it's a two-parter next week. Just a lot of epic things are, are going to come to play. And there's a couple previews out there if anybody wants to go check them out. I'm really looking forward to breaking down these next two episodes with both of you. Yeah, I can't wait to watch this episode. Just um, just for that minute trailer I got put up, I was sweating with watching it. I was like at the edge of my seat watching it. Um, I can hear them laughing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't wait to see it. Just... Uh, just the space battles. I mean, this is going to be like really the big first big huge space battle we've had in Rebels, and it's going to be epic. And I think it'll leave us on a maybe a dark note or maybe a light note. 
leave us somewhere, but it's got to leave us somewhere good to set us off into season four. That's what Rebel has, Rebels has been great at doing. Season one, they left us with Ahsoka, going straight into season two, and then with the end of season two, they left us with Kanan and Ezra and Maul and Ahsoka, what happened straight into season three. We got that resolution in this episode, but it's, we'll talk about what our, probably our thoughts are going to be for season four next week, but I just can't wait for this episode coming up. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I see this next episode as being one heck of a way to end Rebels recap for this season. It could be a lot of great discussions. Make sure you guys are tuned in here on Rebels Recap. Again, great week talking Rebels, Twin Sons. And I think it's that time of the show, one of our favorite times when we get to the conclusion. It's a little thing we like to call it here on the network. Plug time. That's right. Let's throw it around. This is where you guys get to hear about where you can find us across social media. So, Mr. Brian Fontaine. On Twitter, at Jedi Scavenger SW. On Instagram, at Jedi Scavenger SW. Check us our website out on Facebook. Check out JediScavenger.com. We just did a lot of updates with the navigation. We've got different sections for all the different collectibles we're covering now. And uh, yeah, just it was just have to reiterate again. This was just a really, really fun episode. Scott? Hey, you can catch me on Facebook at Scott Inge and on Twitter at Scott Inge 85 And just to go off Brian's point, yep, this is a fantastic episode. And I can't wait to rewatch it again and again and again to pick up brand new stuff. There's going to be a lot there for us all to decipher as we continue in here on Rebels Recap in a galaxy far, far away. You guys can follow me at Mr. Vote Tweets on Twitter. Make sure to follow me at the official vote on Instagram. And please make sure to subscribe to the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network on iTunes. Make sure to like us across social media. And again, if you got the time, make sure to go out and vote for the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network as best new show on the Star Wars Podcast Awards. Make sure to file that in. April 1st is the deadline date, so make sure to get it in there before then. A lot of great other networks out there and podcasts that you can vote for as well. A lot of them are friends of us. So, again, this is Robin Vote from the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network, and may the force be with you. Always. Is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us.